While this podcast will cover information about how to access therapy and other mental health services, it is not intended to be a substitute for said services. This podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. If you feel you are in need of mental health assistance, please seek out licensed professional care in your area. that type of therapy podcast. Hey everybody, we're back! Yay! Yay! Uh, this is Mental Health Quest, and just so you know you're in the right spot. Um, our episode today is, um, exposure therapy, and I'm very, very excited to learn all sorts of stuff, because I love exposure therapy. It's, uh, something that I, I really, really am interested in. So, I'm Charlene McPherson, LCSWC. And I am Benjamin Tights, Registered Psychological Associate, Doctoral Candidate. Hopefully, we'll be graduating Eventually. <laughs> you will. No, you will be graduating. We'll be as as my friends call me, I'm the baby doc. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not yet a doc. Not like our guest here. Why don't you introduce yourself, Mr. Fullblown Doc? I am Dr. Yonatan Sobin, also known as Dr. Yoni Sobin, a clinical psychologist, PsyD. Uh, I specialize in treating OCD and related anxiety disorders um, using exposure therapy, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I also go by the moniker of the nerd therapist in NYC. And, and, and that's he's me. Gonna expose us to exposure therapy. <laughs> All sorts of terrible things. We're going to talk about spiders. Oh, God, no. And, <laughs> do not bring spiders up. I will not. I, oh, spiders I, are coming up. Spiders are coming up, oh, my God. friend. I always think of elevators. That's the only thing I get. Um, and of course, this is part of our treatment series. Uh, we did our diagnosis series before. Um, this is part of our treatment series. So, exposure therapy is a specific type of treatment. Um, yes, yes, it is. And for those of you who might have uh, recognized Yoni's name and voice, he was our special guest on our anxiety disorders episode. Uh, and so this is a really good kind of continuation of that. First, we learned about mm-hmm. what are anxiety disorders, what do they look like. And now we're going to learn about how to treat them. Yes. Yay! So let's uh, start off with, I guess, just the basic question is, What is exposure therapy? So exposure therapy at its most basic is um, exposure to the thing that you're afraid of in a a compassionate, um, safe, safe space as uh, with with as much guidance and handholding as possible and as necessary. Um, If you think about that, I'll use the example of spiders because that's the most one of the The audience that I've seen, but I'm cringing right now. I, 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 I cringing. All right, we we can we can we can, we can work with okay. cats. cats. Is cats is better? Yeah. Let's say someone is afraid of cats. I mean, there are. Let's say someone is is afraid of cats. There are there are definitely people who are afraid of cats. That's there for sure. Go. Like like my mother. Um, Any of our listeners are afraid of cats? Go call Yoni. Yeah, I, I can, I'm taking new patients now. Um, <laughs> 
So, so if someone is afraid of cats, what we would have the person do is we would write out a series of exercises. We would come up with all the things that they avoid. We'd come up with a list of that. Uh, and then we'd slowly, slowly, slowly start to expose you to the idea of cats. First, perhaps by writing out the word cat. Um, you know, you'd just write C-A-T over and over and over again. And then you'd, you'd write out the word cats. And then you'd maybe look at a picture of a cat online. And then maybe you'd watch videos of cats online. And then eventually we'd work our way up to actually having a kitten in your lap. Because kittens are adorable and they're really cute. <laughs> so that's the basic the basic premise of exposure 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 therapies. Um, they encompass the the treatment for the whole range of of anxiety disorders, uh, but the most basic form is just blanket exposure to a feared stimulus. For example, cats. So I know there's a lot of like misconceptions in the media because. If uh, our listeners haven't figured it out, I don't trust it when the media shows therapists because they don't always show it correctly. Um, but yeah. I, I've seen so many like TV shows and movies where the therapist is doing exposure therapy and they just kind of like throw the client into it. Mm-hmm. That's not done. Is that where they just like, here, go? Not exactly. When I do exposure therapy, some, sometimes I'm throwing a client directly into something. Um, but it's always done with a little bit of preparation, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit of conversation about, about the psychoeducation of fear and the fear responses in the brain, the fight or flight system, the, the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system, um, breathing techniques and, mm-hmm. and, and emotion, emotion, reg- uh, distress tolerance skills, um, so that a person is well equipped to handle the, the level of anxiety that they might experience when they're facing their feared stimulus. Um, so there's, there's, there's always a conversation before it. And the, and the basic idea of, of, with exposure therapy is you don't, you don't expose the patient. You, you don't give the patient an exercise that they're not prepared to do. You don't just surprise throw things at them. Uh, that I do with patients sometimes a little bit later on in treatment when, um, when they've already done many exposures already mm-hmm. and, and they're coming up to the part where like the, the rigor morals of life are going to throw things at you unexpectedly. Right. So like sometimes I'll, you know, sometimes, um, you know, I'll, I'll just yell out for argument's sake, uh, with, with the word dog, like a patient's afraid of the word dog. Like sometimes you yell dog, you know, and then see what, and, and, and see what happens. But, but generally the, the case is that, that you don't do things without, without warning and, and fair fair preparation time yeah that's what i was gonna say and that preparation time isn't just like one session we're talking about like teaching coping mechanisms teaching breathing whatever wherever the client is at that's where we start you know yeah definitely yeah yeah. definitely i i usually begin exposure therapy within the first session or three Mm -hmm. okay yeah, uh, just because I, I want to get I want to get the ball rolling as fast as possible mm-hmm. uh, when we're dealing with exposures um, and when we're dealing with fears. Um, but 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 the case is usually there's an intake session where I get to learn about the problem, I get to learn about the patient, um, and then we then we have a session where we talk about what the treatment plan is going to be with exposure therapy, mm-hmm. and then we start moving into that slowly but surely. If a patient is ready to go, if they, you know, I usually ask the question, mm-hmm. "Do you want to? You know, how soon do you want to start this?" Right. And oftentimes, the patient says, yeah. "You know, right now," and I'll say. Okay, great. Here's what we're going to do here. Do you think, do you think you can handle X, Y, Z? And speak, speaking of elevators, I have a client right now who's, who's, um, who has claustrophobia symptoms. They, they, they came in for panic, panic disorder, which we'll, I'll talk about in just a little bit. Um, but they, they also, I also discovered over the course of our, over the course of the therapy, um, that they were, ex- they're, they're afraid of enclosed spaces and the elevator in our building is particularly like clanky at times. So we, 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 within, within probably about four, four sessions, four or five sessions, we were already riding the elevator and like, she was getting visibly nervous and you could see her kind of freeze up. 
Um, she, she tensed up. And so we practiced breathing skills while you're in the elevator, mm-hmm. um, while she was in the elevator. And we rode the elevator up to the 20th floor and down to the first floor and up to the 20th floor and down to the first floor. Then I was like, pick a random floor. And she picks a random floor and we, we hit that button and we go. Um, and then, then I had her ride the elevator by herself. Um, and, and, and she, she slowly, you know, started to get accustomed to it. Mm-hmm. But what was very, what was very interesting was when we went outside and we went into this enclosed space and suddenly she starts having this, like this real panic attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it can happen in therapy. It can happen during sessions and yep. you have, and you have to kind of cope with it, cope with it as those things come up. Yeah, no, it definitely has happened I do the more generalized trauma work, but you know, those, those panic, you know, sometimes as a therapist though, seeing that and being there for that kind of helps the treatment a Mm -hmm. lot. I feel like that gives you a chance to be there in the moment with the client. Okay. This is what we're going to do and practice it. This this is what you do right now. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And then they can go home and use it when they're on their own because they're like, okay, I practiced it. While I was having the panic attack, I was with my therapist. We practiced what we were supposed to do. Okay, all I have to do is go home and do the same thing. Obviously, it's a little bit harder by yourself, but like um, sometimes I feel like that's uh, really helpful for some clients is for you to be there during an instance like that. Because it helps the clients know that you are understanding them better because like, yes, logically, they know that we understand them and that we listen to them. But it's one thing for us to like hear them talk about it, and it's another thing for us to experience them going through it, um, because it it does allow us to understand it even more. We can see mm-hmm. them yeah. exactly what are their responses. We can see how is it affecting them, and when they are when they know that we've seen that, it breaks down a lot more of that resistance that might still be lingering. Because there's always some level of resistance when it comes to talking about mm-hmm. trauma and anxiety because people don't like talking about trauma and anxiety. Those are not fun emotions. Um, yeah. And so I, I really do agree that like being there present when it's happening can be very helpful. Uh, similar thing when it's when you're talking about like grief. Um, I've, I don't know, what this, this, uh, this last like week, I've had uh, three clients that have lost family members. Um, like died and so grief was a big theme this week for me and being there with them as they were just like feeling the motions right just flowing out of them in whatever way it did you know some of them cried some of them just told a lot of stories about their loved one or whatever right but just to be there with them broke down a lot more of the resistance that was there because they're like okay well now he's seen me at this point in my like at this lowest point, so mm-hmm. uh, air quotes everybody who yeah. can't see me. I keep forgetting that this is not yeah. a YouTube video, <laughs> 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 um, but uh, it does help. And um, I can you know, I've never gone through training for exposure therapy. All my understanding mm-hmm. of exposure therapy comes from reading about it and listening to Yoni yeah, talk same. about it. Um, right. So I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Because you have mentioned uh, about using it for other anxiety disorders, not just phobias. Um, so what, does it look the same? Would it look different if it was like for OCD or uh, for like generalized anxiety or social anxiety? 
it does look different depending on slightly different depending on what 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 condition is being treated uh so for specific phobias like like i mentioned it's it's very blanket like you know it's basically what we call flooding um flooding or gradated exposures two slightly different types gradated exposures are where you do it slowly but surely flooding is where you throw the person into the into the situation like you just go to a pet store and you play with the kittens and and you start with you start by playing with the kittens um which has definitely been shown to be helpful and effective um again with with preparation so for specific phobias that's what it looks like um with ocd exposure looks a little bit different but there's the there's the big component of response prevention because with ocd you have obsessions um you know mental images or thoughts that go through your head that are unwanted and you also have the and, and in most in most if most if not all situations a person also has compulsions whether the compulsion is to avoid this the, the feared stimulus or to perform some sort of ritual uh the important part with ocd is interrupting that that loop of obsession compulsion obsession compulsion obsession compulsion um and creating what i like to call choice points where a person has the ability to to choose how they respond to a particular stimulus as opposed to just obsess uh, obsessively or, compul- or or uh, as opposed to compulsively performing a compulsion ritual um mm-hmm. so when, with with for example for example contamination uh, a person who has contamination related concerns when when you're like oh my god i can't touch this thing um and if i do touch this i have to compulsively wash my hands the exposure and response prevention piece looks like we go out we touch an object in the world and then we don't wash hands um and we and we interrupt we interrupt that loop there so there's that that key piece of doing the response prevention no exposure is good without 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 a response prevention piece um when you're dealing with like um mental rituals that the 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 mental ritual of of um of reviewing a thought a thought pattern like oh my you know a person gets an intrusive thought of a sexual nature or something like that um and then they and then they they review that thought like oh my god does this mean i'm a bad person does this mean i'm you know uh, am i still a good person and they start reviewing different instances from their life so we have to interrupt that mental ritual by engaging them in other conversation um and so on and so forth. Um, so, so it, it does look a little bit different depending on what disorder you're treating. Um, with regard to panic, to panic disorder. So panic, panic disorder is where a person experiences panic attacks suddenly and unexpectedly. Um, and they, they come on out of the blue and, um, it's not necessarily related to any particular stimulus or trigger. Sometimes there are triggers for panic attacks, um, but there's no there's no particular st- stimulus in in panic disorder. Um, the only stimulus is an internal sensation that a person is experiencing. So exposures look very different for panic disorder because the, they're generally what we call interoceptive exposures or um, or exposures to to physiological body sensations, um, phys- physiological symptoms of arousal. So. Um, a person with panic is oftentimes responding to like a blip in their heart rate. Um, they're responding to like a tingling sensation that they get in their body. They're responding to a feeling of tightness in the chest. Um, and so exposures look very different. They often involve, um, just inducing physiological states of arousal, um, in whatever, in whatever means possible. Um, so for example, you might do, we have these breathing exercises that a person does where like, where you can induce similar symptoms to a panic attack. Um, if you start breathing really heavily, really heavily and really rapidly for a period of time like this. Mm-hmm. And 
so on and so forth. And it starts to induce this feeling of tightness and tightness in the, in the chest a little bit, a little bit of dizziness, lightheadedness, which are very similar to symptoms that a person might experience if they're having an actual panic attack. So, so for panic disorder, exposure treatment looks like inducing those same sensations, um, going into, don't going into closed, into closed spaces for claustrophobia is specifically to induce the symptoms of a panic attack, which are the very thing that a person fears. It's not the, the stimulus itself that a person fears. It's the actual experience of a panic attack because it's a very overwhelming kind of experience. Um, so uh, sometimes for nausea or dizziness, a person we might spin a person in a, in a, in a swivel chair um, to induce that sensation. Looking up at a bright light can induce a feeling of like dissociation a little bit. Um, staring at a blank spot on a wall can induce a feeling of dissociation. Um, any of the, any number of these kinds of experiences um, can be really helpful for panic disorder specifically. With PTSD, which is a treatment I don't really, I don't really do very much PTSD work. I'm not a trauma specialist, unlike you, Charlene. Mm. Um, I wouldn't call me a specialist. It just kind of <laughs> is always there. It always seems to find me. So I, I had to learn how to deal with it. There's always trauma in a lot of our clients' cases, even yeah. if that's not the primary thing. There's trauma somewhere yeah. in the story. Yeah, a lot, a lot of times, but but not always. I, I think yeah. it's uh, it's important to distinguish between big T trauma and little T traumas. Mm -hmm. um, but with 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 um, with PTSD based work, there is a there's a there's a exposure therapy in the course of prolonged exposure where you, where you recount a narrative that, of that was a particularly traumatic experience in a, in a safe and in a safe and compassionate um, space, uh, where you retell the story to to kind of tell it over and over again to learn how to tell a story about a particularly traumatic experience without getting triggered, um, you know, in a way that the hot emotions come up um, so that you can deal with it with cool emotion, as as as, uh, as as my understanding of it. I don't do so much trauma work, so I don't really want to speak to that mm -hmm. too much yeah. uh, because I don't want to mislead, mislead any listeners yeah. or, or anything like that. One thing that came to my mind as you were talking about, um, you know, the exposure, it sounds like one of the kind of core components is the client needs to be aware of the arousal symptoms in their body. And so it sounds like uh, mm -hmm. mindfulness training is a big part of like the preparation work, like how to recognize when your body is feeling a certain way and how to kind of Definitely. be able to kind of not just let it keep going, but like to have that like break in the road uh, as it were. Definitely. Definitely. And so like that, that's a big conversation that I often have is like mindfulness, you know, like a question that I'll ask repeatedly is like, where do you feel that anxiety in your body right now? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, is it, is it in your chest? Is it in your, is it in your head? Is it in your stomach? Um, where, where, where particularly do you feel that are those arousal symptoms coming up? And let's, let's regulate that a little bit while we continue doing this exposure, doing, doing some breathing work to, to kind of re-regulate the nervous system while we continue to expose you to the feared stimulus, because sometimes that stimulus in real life doesn't go away right away and you can't just avoid yeah. it. It's something that, that you're going to experience. So how do we like mm. sit with it and not let it like take over us? Exactly. Exactly. So I have a, a random question. Um, Love so, random questions. <laughs> what is a square root question. of two? No, I'm just mad. <laughs> What's the, yeah, exactly. Um, um, so, uh, <laughs> wrong random question. Uh, wrong random question. With therapists, not nothing. I guess it's not so random. Yeah. <laughs> it's on topic. Um, so um, how do you treat the difference between um, an anxiety 
um, attack and a panic attack. Is there a difference in the way you treat those, or are they they very similar? Um, I just am interested in what you're saying because I'm like, there's. So I like I like I like to think of the difference between an anxiety attack and a panic attack in terms of the number of symptoms that a person is really kind of experiencing all at once. Um, you know, lots of us have anxiety attacks throughout the throughout the day, throughout the week, like, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little nervous. I'm getting a little anxious. My, my, my chest is starting to get a little bit tight or I'm starting to feel a little bit disconnected from things. Um, so that might be your basic anxiety attack. Um, a panic attack specifically is like the, the occurrence of like five or more of these symptoms. I, th- I think it's five or more all, all at once. Um, so like a person is getting lightheaded and they're having trouble breathing and they're feeling a little bit dizzy and maybe they're feeling a little bit nauseous as well. And maybe they're feeling a little bit dissociated and like the, it's just a, it's just a confluence of symptoms all kind of at once. That's how I like to distinguish between an anxiety attack and a, and a panic attack. Um, panic attack is like a very specific set of set of constellation, a constellation of symptoms. An anxiety attack is just like what you, you know, when, when you experience anxiety in the course of a feared stimulus. So like most people don't get panic attacks from seeing a dog. Some people get anxiety from seeing a dog and, and they get overwhelmed by that. I had a client who would have a lot of anxiety attacks when he would interact with the number five. And so his ther- he, he, had a, he, had, he has OCD. I'm still, still working with him to this day. He's absolutely wonderful and I miss him terribly. And if, you, if you're listening to this, you know who you are and, uh, and, uh, and I hope you're good until your next session. Um, but in all seriousness, um, he, he had a fear of the number five. And so therapy for him he would get these anxiety attacks where he would have to like whisper the number five. Um, he couldn't interact with it. So therapy for him, like looked like he came in and we would just high five. And what his, what his thing was, um, his, his avoidance, his compulsion, um, was that he would either high five you with four fingers. He wouldn't high five you with all five fingers Mm. or he would high five you with all five fingers. And then he would do a sixth touch with his thumb or like around the other side. Mm. So, so it became like, he, so he was, he was able to avoid, avoid quote unquote, interacting mm-hmm. with the number five. And he would get these anxiety spells um, when, when he would do that. The client who I was mentioning earlier with the elevator, she gets panic attacks and anxiety attacks. Um, we were actually trying to induce a panic attack in session for the longest time. And we just couldn't do it until we went, until we went outside into this enclosed space that I was mentioning earlier. Mm-hmm. And she suddenly starts having this real, real life version of a panic attack. She, and, and, uh, and we, we ran this little experiment where we left the space immediately and suddenly the symptoms go down and we go back in and suddenly the symptoms come back. Mm. The short answer to your question is the number of symptoms that a person is experiencing all at once. Mm-hmm. Anxiety attacks are usually pretty manageable and pretty, pretty handleable. Like when a person is having a panic attack, it's, it can sometimes be a little bit overwhelming and you just got to be able to talk that person through it and help them kind of come down from that and stay with that feeling and so on and so forth. Yeah. I just know they never defined it in school well, the difference between an anxiety attack and a panic attack. And I imagine our listeners, you know, uh, if they don't explain it to us therapists well. Right. Oh my God, I'm having a panic attack. So like when, when a patient says I'm having a panic attack, I go through this list of symptoms right. and I try to clarify them. Like, is this a panic attack? Or is this an anxiety attack? Mm-hmm. Are you just experiencing? Are, are you just experiencing anxiety, and you're calling it a panic attack because we would treat those two things very, very differently? Right. So that's yeah. just yeah, that's good information to have. I remember I had a client uh, like a couple years ago, a year and a half or so ago, at my last job, where that was kind of thing that they thought that they were having a panic attack, so they're calling it a panic attack, which makes them more anxious because they feel then like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me because I'm having panic attacks. 
and when I, you know, tried to clarify, you know, okay, well, what are the symptoms that you're going through? Like, what were you experiencing? And, you know, we realized together that it was an anxiety attack and not a panic attack. Um, just that re like that realization that, oh, it's not a panic attack helped a lot. Um, because for mm-hmm. that client, it wasn't so much that like she was afraid of having a panic attack or whatever. It was just that the idea of panic attack was, is just made her feel mm-hmm. a lot of shame. Um, and made her feel even more like broken or whatever. And that was a big theme in, in therapy was like, no, you're not broken. Right. Like you just help mm-hmm. and that's okay. We can heal. Um, but, um, and so because that whenever they, she, the, she would have, uh, anxiety, uh, she would be telling herself it's panic and that would make her even more anxious because then there's that like loop of like, Oh God, I'm, I'm useless of all this stuff. Right. And so mm-hmm. after we were able to like, Hey, no, actually this doesn't sound like a panic attack. And I, I even like sometimes in session, I will pull out the DSM and just go over it with them, like sit next to, it's not right next to them, but like close enough that they can see the book, mm-hmm. um, you know, so they can see it for themselves. And that helped a lot for, for her because then like, Oh wait, so if I'm having anxiety, it's not the same thing as panic. And it's like, no. And, and, it's not, and that doesn't mean that you're worse off than others. So now right. that we know what it is, now we can focus on it and, you know, really address it. So um, I, I did end up having to refer that client for um, exposure therapy um, because that's what they, they did end up needing a lot of that for anxiety, for a lot of anxiety stuff that I just am not trained for. Um but right. that was actually not long after I first met you for the first time, Yoni. So I was like, I knew what ex- I knew exposure therapy. <laughs> he was like, oh, wait, I know this is she's exposure therapy. And this I could thing. not refer her to you, unfortunately. You don't live in California. Um, no, I do so, not. <laughs> but I am taking new clients in New York. <laughs> so all of our <laughs> listeners in New York, look up the nerd therapist in NYC. Give me a call. Yeah, you know, shameless plug in there. That's what we do here. Um, but yeah. you know, Let's I think it. it is important <laughs> not just for you know the layperson who majority of our listeners probably are, but also for any mental health professional or even student of mental health or psychology mm-hmm. um, to understand these differences. Um, because, like Charlene said, our grad schools did not explain that. My my yeah. grad school. Uh, definitely did not like the psychopathology class um i think just like briefly covered anxiety disorders um and just was like yeah anxiety disorders include panic attacks and i was like i mean theoretically yes it's in the same category but it's not the same thing right. and like but, right so yeah, yeah so my, my grad school program was pretty comprehensive oh, in that you. way and I'm, <laughs> I'm really thankful shout out to the Furkoff graduate school of psychology <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Furkoff graduate school of psychology class 2016. You almost said the wrong year. <laughs> I, I almost did. It was like, yeah, no, no, it was 2016. It was, it was not. I started in 2011. But it was 2016. Um, so they, um, they, they really covered, you know, anxiety disorders in, in like very specific detail. We had a whole week dedicated just to panic mm-hmm. disorder and a whole week dedicated just mm-hmm. to OCD and a whole week dedicated to just to specific phobias um, and the treatments for those things. I, I was going to apply to that school, but then I des- I decided not to because I didn't want to like go out of state. So um, I knew I should have. <laughs> I knew I should have. Uh, clearly, yeah. I'm having like, 
I'm having like buyer's remorse right now. Oh my gosh. It was a great, a great, a great experience. As they should, yeah. right? Like, cause like what do most of us therapists, you know, find when people walk in, there's, you know, there's anxiety, there's depression, there's, you know, a lot of common themes with our, um, our, um, our clients. So like, so actually getting in depth training and the things that are most, the things you're most likely to see when you're practicing outside of school, you know, is always a good idea. (laughs) Like our our week, the week, the week that we were learning about specific phobias, our teacher specifically brought in a snake and everyone in the class had to hold the snake. And one, one girl in the class just couldn't do it. And she just left the room and she was just Mm -hmm. like, I'm not doing this. Mm -hmm. And, and she just wasn't able to, um, but everyone in the class would hold a snake. There's, 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 there's a couple pictures somewhere, somewhere on, on my Facebook of me holding a snake. And, I'm, and it was, it was such a cool experience. Did it bring like, way we, of doing it, you know, around the <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, this, it was a tiny little garden snake. It was like, also your teacher didn't flood you with a giant python. Got long it. <laughs> no, she, no, they just, no, she did not flood us with a giant python. Although that would have been really fucking cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. What they should have done is they should have hired one of those people who walks around with the with the python to just come yeah. to the class for an hour well, there's right. a lot of those like that that's what they should have done animal education programs like there's like zoo education programs like go to schools yeah. to teach yeah. kids about like that, that's what they should have that done. person come i'd in be the first one in line i'd be like i want to pet it <laughs> if there was if there was one critique that i would have of the program was like they should have done the boat they should have done the python <laughs> i want to pet the danger noodle <laughs> not but not a boa constrictor not a not a boa constrictor we don't want no, a boa no. constrictor we just want yeah. a python <laughs> um, just a python what's the worst that could happen with a python <laughs> you know yeah so we, we should do i do i have that picture somewhere i'm gonna see if i can find it <laughs> If you find it, we will post it on our social media page when we release this episode. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. Totally let, me, let me see. If, let me see if I can if I can pull it up. I, I, yeah. Here, I found it. There, there we go. Oh my oh. gosh. <laughs> oh, it's a little teeny Please. tiny, it's a tiny, tiny, teeny, tiny, tiny little snake. Yeah, I could barely see it in the picture. So <laughs> my caption for the picture when I put it on Facebook was "Kill Harry." <laughs> yes. Our listeners know that we're all nerds here. Your moniker is literally um, the nerd therapist. Um, apparently there's a nerd therapist in Australia. Um, he seems like a yeah, cool the guy. I've never met him. He's, 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 yeah, I have to, I have to coordinate with yeah, him a little bit. You should totally do like a, uh, somehow do like a, like a virtual panel of, of people called nerd therapists or something. Nerd, the, nerd the nerd therapist. Uh, a, a, like a justice league of nerd therapists or something like that. No, that'll uh, be fun. It's the spider verse. It's the nerd therapist verse. Yes. Uh, Multiple versions of the nerd therapists do exist. But uh, to go back to why it's important that we're talking about these differences, you know, this goes back to why Charlene and I started this podcast was to educate people about mental health. Um, And these are things that people do experience. And anxiety is a very common thing. And so if people can be educated and know the difference, it can help a lot. Um, because again, media does not show it very well. I've seen so many TV shows and movies where it's like, oh yeah, you know, I have anxiety and I have panic attacks and, but they don't show it correctly there. Or, you know, if they're talking, oh yeah, this, this person has a panic disorder, but then they're not showing, they're not uh, describing it very well or the, you know, media, I feel has a responsibility to accurately portray these things. If you're going to have it be part of the story or part of the character's development, uh, I feel like there is a responsibility to portray it accurately. 
And there are so many therapists that can consult, you know, call Yoni. Any mm-hmm. TV stations that want to talk about panic, uh, call Yoni. Mm-hmm. Because people do see themselves in TV shows, right? I mean, that's a big mm-hmm. part of geek therapy and superhero therapy is we see ourselves in our favorite characters, especially if the character has a similar situation as us. There are superheroes that have anxiety. Storm has claustrophobia. Storm from the X-Men, if anyone was not aware of what I was talking about. <laughs> you know, so it, it would help a lot of people to not feel so alone um, if the, it was accurately portrayed. Um, and then also, you know, to help, us, especially if you're going to have therapists on your show or in your movie, don't have them having sex with their patients. That's not therapeutic. Uh, yeah. Um, that, that might be a whole other <laughs> podcast that I do of all the ways in which media does not <laughs> show therapists correctly. I don't know. I have a lot of ideas for podcast people. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, and I think it the specifically the anxiety, the difference you said between the anxiety attack and the panic attack that is really important. I think uh, an important distinction that clients could really um, benefit from is I, I can't count how many times the the main thought of is what's wrong with me, what triggered this, there must have been a cause. What did I just experience? What you know? And you're saying that like the anxiety part of it, there may be a trigger, but with the panic, it, it there may not be a trigger. It, it is, let, let me. I, I, I want to clarify that slightly. So okay. it, it, it may not be a very. It may not be an observable trigger mm, in, the, mm-hmm. in the in the in the in the environment that you can see. Like it might not okay. be. It might just be like a person's walking down the street and suddenly they're having a panic attack. Yeah. There's always a trigger. Usually the yeah. trigger is something okay. is like an internal body sensation that a person is experiencing. Okay. So that's um, the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so it's so it's slightly different than there's then there's no trigger. There's there's almost always a trigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, sometimes something in an environment environment can trigger a panic attack. I, mm-hmm. I think there was a story that that, might, that, that, w- that was told in grad school, whether it's apocryphal or not, I don't mm-hmm. know. Right. Um, but like that, that a person was experiencing panic attacks and was having PTSD flashbacks every time they saw a rose mm-hmm. um, or they were having panic attacks in the room and there was a rose in the room and there was a rose nearby when the person had the original traumatic incident mm-hmm. or something like that. And like, and it, and it, and it became clear only in the course of the conversation that there yeah. was this thing and, and here's what triggered that. Okay. Um, but with, with panic, disorder like it's usually just like you're exercising and you have a panic attack right mm. a person is afraid of exercising this this patient who i'm talking about um she, she what what happened what happened was the, the story was she went into target she got on the escalator and suddenly she started having this she started feeling lightheaded and woozy and 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 anxious and nervous and she wasn't sure what the hell was going on and she came to me and and this happened a couple of times and she started avoiding she avoided that she was avoiding that target Target the store for just just for clarification purposes, <laughs> um, and she couldn't get on the escalator. And like other escalators were totally fine, but this particular escalator was was a problem. Okay. Okay. And and so she she started having these physical sensations, and then she she was afraid to go to the gym because what if I have a panic attack at the gym? And it was like that makes that makes it makes sense that you'd be afraid of that. And a lot mm-hmm. of times, people with panic disorder are afraid to go to the gym because what if I have a panic attack there? Because they, it's so unpredictable when when they can occur, when they, when they do occur, when they don't occur. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, and you know, listeners, as you can hear, like I'm learning things, right? Like I've been in the field for 15 years. Like, um, you know. Uh, this stuff is is still we're still learning, you know, th- uh, throughout our careers on, 
you know, what the difference between this and that is. Um, and that's a really good way to explain, you know, the difference between the anxiety and the panic. Uh, so it sounds like uh, for me to summarize in Charlene terms, <laughs> um, the panic is a response to the physical trigger. So like the breathing, the, you know, the physical feelings that are happening in the body. Right. Definitely. And, and, and panic and panic attacks are usually a number of symptoms all at once mm -hmm. as opposed to anxiety attacks, which are usually maybe more like one or two, like I'm having some, I'm having some trouble breathing or like my chest feels tight okay. and like I'm starting and I'm ruminating a little bit. A panic mm -hmm. attack is like, you know, it, it, it's kind of, kind of what you, what you picture in that movie when, when in the movies, when like someone's like hyperventilating and stuff like that, like that doesn't mm -hmm. happen every single time. It's not always a hyperventilation thing, mm -hmm. but it's, it's like the number, the number of symptoms and what the nature of the fear itself is okay. when the fear, when the fear is like a fear of the body sensations, I'm afraid that my heart is going to start going quickly is more, is mm -hmm. more likely to indicate panic than it is to indicate, um, you know, a standard, a standard exactly. run of the mill OCD symptom, OCD or specific sure. phobias or stuff like that. No, that's really interesting. Thank you. Mm -hmm. To go back with, uh, you know, how you would, uh, apply exposure therapy in that kind of progression. Cause you had said that, you know, you would start off, you know, talk about what it is that they are afraid of or what their anxiety is. And you would start maybe like small, okay, let's write about it or whatever. I understand for specific phobias where it is something concrete that you can bring in mm -hmm. uh, and physically expose mm -hmm. them to. But what about people who have less concrete phobias, like um, like agoraphobia, uh, which uh, from my understanding, and I might be misunderstanding, this is fear of going outside because you're afraid that some bad shit is going to happen if you go outside into open spaces? Yes and no. <laughs> Good thing we have the anxiety yeah. expert here. I was going to say, this is why we bring the experts the, on. The, yes and no. So the core fear of agoraphobia is actually generally a fear that you're not going to be able to escape the feared situation. Mm. Um, so like you're going to be, you're going to be out in a crowd of pub in a, in a, in a public crowd and suddenly you're gonna, and you're going to get a panic attack or you're going to be nervous and you're going to get anxious and you're not going to be able to escape that because there's always going to be a crowd there or you're not going to, you're not going to be able to find an exit route, um, or something like that. So that's actually the core fear in with, with agoraphobia, um, and, and claustrophobia, um, is a, is a fear that you're not going to be able to escape the, the, the feared stimulus. Um, uh, but when, when you're talking about like concrete versus like more abstract things, are you talking about like existential? anxiety yeah. stuff yeah. like that like could you use exposure therapy with existential anxiety yes of course you can um Jeez, so i i, 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 I regularly recommend knife what's that? <laughs> knife you're like okay you're gonna die no, <laughs> no serial killers no serial killing going on yeah. <laughs> and, no serial killing so like like with, with existential existential related anxiety or existential ocd you know like what what comes next what comes in the afterlife stuff like that. If there mm -hmm. is an afterlife, do we know mm -hmm. if there's an afterlife? We don't know if there's an afterlife. Like with OCD, the core fear is the uncertainty mm -hmm. itself. Um, and like, it's, it's this intolerance of uncertainty that a person can't handle not knowing something. We were just talking about that before you got on. Oh, I'm sorry. We were talking about how for people with ADHD, uh, not being able to plan or to be aware of what's going to happen, like the unknown of a specific area is very anxiety provoking. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, and I, and I think it's an, it's anxiety inducing for like for like anyone whether whether you have OCD or not. not yeah, know, not knowing something is <laughs> an inherently inherently anxiety inducing experience. Right. With OCD, the core fear is a fear is basically a fear of uncertainty itself. Mm -hmm. 
and and not knowing. Like everyone has a core. There 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 are there are these core fears for more, um, you know, like thought where where a person is afraid of their own thought process. You know, like mm-hmm. oh my god, like what you know what what if I what if I jump on the train tracks? What if I push someone on the train tracks? Mm-hmm. Um, the exposure the exposure therapy is like going down into the subway and standing on the train tracks. Um, the you know especially once once we've ruled out suicidality and once we've ruled out you know a desire a desire for death. Um, which 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 is more indic- indicative of depression than it is of OCD. Mm-hmm. The exposure for that for that in and of itself is like going out into the world and and interacting with the things. I had a client who was afraid who was afraid every time they looked at a they looked at a um a, oh I missed I missed them um uh, they when they would look at a cord they would they would get these intrusive images of taking that cord and wrapping it around their neck. Mm-hmm. And so the, the exposure was taking up, t- picking up that cord and holding that cord and looking at that cord and imagining, you know, like I'm, I'm imagining I'm wrapping this around my neck right now, but I'm not actually doing it. And like, look, you're, you're, you're saying that you're afraid that you're going to do this, but you're not actually doing it. And so like, th- th- there's like, there, there is like a concrete fear in the world, but when it, when it comes to like thoughts, like what if everyone around me is a robot? Like, let's watch movies where people are 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 people around me are robots. This, this was another another fear that this client had, um, and so I had them watch. I think it was season six of Marvel's Agents of Shield. Um, oh yeah, which, which was which was a fascinating season. Like, yeah, it was, it was one of the best. It might have been season six. It might have been season four. I don't remember exactly, but it was <laughs> but it was it was great and it was like really intense. And and the client had this fear that like everyone around them was actually a robot and like it wasn't delusion. I mean, it was a little delusional, but it wasn't delusional. It wasn't schizophrenia or anything mm-hmm. like that. It yeah. was OCD because the question it was an intrusive thought of like, what if my partner is really a robot? So it's not that they believe that the people are robots. It's that uncertainty of what if they are. Right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, and, and that, that exactly. would definitely be the difference between a delusion or a, for psychosis or whatever than uh, OCD, because mm. with right. delusions in, in psychosis, it's not intrusive. It's always there. It's just ever present. That's just your reality. Um, I've right. had patients like that where yeah, they did believe that uh, all of the staff and and everyone around them were robots. Um, but that was just their reality and they weren't afraid of it. They weren't anxious about it. They're just like, okay, you guys are robots. Like that's just mm-hmm. it for them. Period. So, yeah. Um, but that's, that's really interesting because I've always wondered like about those differences between like existential anxiety and existential fears, um, versus like the specific phobias, you know, the concrete ones that are like that you can touch. So there's, there's, there's this whole, yeah, there's this whole thing called imaginal exposures as well, which can be really helpful when like a person is afraid of like the unknown or what comes next, you know, like, um, imaginal exposures, imaginal scripts are where you, you, you write out the feared scenario in, in like, in like very vivid detail. Uh, usually it's use, it's useful. It's very useful for, um, for existential related concerns. You know, like what if, you know, what if, uh, what, what, what if I don't go to heaven after I die and you write out a story of what your, what your version of heaven looks like and what your version of hell looks like and, and so on and so forth. All of these things you kind of do see in TV, like you see like the 1980s dad throw the kid in the deep end of the pool and be like, well, he's either going to sink or swim. Which which is which which is in essence kind of what flooding is, but you wouldn't do that with a pool. Like you, if you're teaching right. someone to, to swim, you wouldn't throw them into the deep end of the pool. You would gradually work your way right. into them. Exactly. But when, when you're when you're working with a client who's willing to do that, who's willing to jump right into the puppy store, um, yeah. like 
you know, as they, as they say in Yiddish, gay gesund, go in good health. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, and, and that's what we said, like, wherever the client is, whatever the client is ready for, right? Um, and I think that's a really important distinction is, is like, um, don't try and do this stuff on your own. Obviously, you know, we have our, our you know, thing at the beginning, but you know, if you're going to try exposure therapy, please go seek out someone who's a professional. Yes, who can help. But that, that being said, be, being an exposure therapy, being, being, being someone who specializes in, in this particular form of treatment, uh-huh. um, I would say like, if you think that you're, if you think that you can handle something, like okay. give it a shot, don't, don't, don't avoid, the more you okay. avoid, the worse the problem will actually get because you don't give yourself a chance to actually learn the natural curve of anxiety, which okay. is that anxiety rises and then it dips. There's, there's, there's a peak to anxiety and it's called a panic attack mm-hmm. it, once once you're having a panic attack you can't it can't get worse than that yeah yeah that, I guess that, not. That's, that's the peak of it so like if you're afraid of dogs like take a piece of paper and just write the word dog out like you don't need a therapist to do that mm. um i mean maybe maybe you do maybe you need extra hand holding i don't know but from my in my in my in my lay my lay my layman experience and my professional experience most people don't need a therapist's help to write out the word dog Mm. They, they can do that and it gets them a little anxious but like they, they can do that look at look at pictures of dogs like you can create a hierarchy for yourself if you're willing to endure the anxiety and you're willing to and you're willing to sit with it and like learn that like the anxiety rises and then it falls it's like oh when i was sitting i was afraid that the dog is going to bite me and i'm sitting with this dog and it hasn't bitten me oh maybe dogs might be a little bit safe mm-hmm. that's okay that 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 makes sense. Yeah. I, as Charlene and I mentioned in our first five episodes about preparing to go to therapy and everything is understand what it is that you need. And so doing mm-hmm. what Yoni is saying about, you know, try it out on your own, see where you're at with regards to anxiety can help you to figure out if you do need a therapist and what kind of therapist do you need and, you know, mm-hmm. can really help you to when you be prepared for therapy because a lot of people – they go into therapy, but they're not really prepared for it because they don't quite understand what right. it is that they are asking for. Um, and so I think for right. someone who does struggle with phobias and for anxiety attacks and, and stuff like that, if you are comfortable trying it out on your own in the way that Yoni has suggested, starting small and, and whatnot, mm. that yeah. might help you to then understand a little bit more about what kind of therapy you're going to be getting and seeking out. So that way you're better able to express yourself to your therapist and to be able to explain what you're feeling. I guess I should ask that as a question instead of a statement. Like, you know, should somebody try, you know, exposure therapy on their own? And what does that look like? Um, and that's what you just said is, is like, you know, try the small stuff. See what, you know, see what you can handle. If you need extra help, then then seek out extra, you know, right, extra for help. sure. Definitely. Like, you know, like if you're afraid of riding an elevator and like you can, you, you just can't get in elevators, like, you know, you, you can probably write out the word elevator and you might be able to watch videos of people in elevators, but that might be that even that might be too much. Like, you know, like the, 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 the ultimate exposure for right for, for elevator phobia is you take an elevator and you get stuck in the elevator and like you're, you're stuck there. Um, this, this client who I was talking about before, like their fears would compound on one top of one another. Like, but what if there's a bug in the elevator? I'm like, then there would be a bug in the elevator yeah, and, yeah. And, and we would have to deal with two phobias at once. Like mm-hmm. that would be, that would be a lot. Well, I, I think this is just a really good place to kind of close this out is, you know, we want our, we want our listeners that if they are going to seek out therapy, if they feel like that's what they need um, to 
be a bit more understanding of where they're at with regards to the thing that they are seeking help with. Um, because as all of us, I think, can kind of test is it's hard for us if the clients can't express what it is that they're going through and the different levels of their anxieties. Because um, then it we need to then dig it out a little bit more. And that can be very anxiety provoking for clients. So uh, it, it's helpful in my experience, even before I worked with my current population, when I worked with general anxiety and depression, everything is having, if the client was able to tell me when they got anxious and was able to tell me what it felt like, then it really was, it, it aided the therapy because they already had a framework to work with as opposed to me having to help them build the framework in session they came with the framework already in mind. So um, I think that Yoni's uh, statement about if you feel comfortable with it, try it out, can be very good. Um, but also if you feel like that's just too much, totally cool too. You don't have to do that before you go to therapy. Um, but uh, speaking of, you know, finding a therapist, uh, Yoni, where can our listeners find you on the interwebs places? On the inter on the interwebs in the inter the interface of the of the, the Spider Verse. Where can they find in the Spider Verse? In the Spider Verse, they can find me in the Spider Verse uh, at a at a couple of places. On Instagram, I am nerd underscore therapist at nerd underscore therapist. On Facebook, it's at nerd psychology. Um, you can also find me on my website at sobinpsychology.com. That's s o b i n psychology p s y c h o l o g y. Uh, dot com. You can also call my office directly with the phone number being 347-708-2920. Again, that's 347-708-2920. Uh, you can reach me via email at sobinpsychology at gmail.com. Um, and any any number of those places. Or you can find me at my office at 90 Broad Street, Suite 230. Um, I, do, I, do, I do accept walk-ins, but, uh, but please reach out to me to let me know that you're walking in so that I can be prepared to tell you like, Hey, don't come in at this time <laughs> and tell you when, when you can just walk in. So, um, so that, that's where you can find me uh, on the interwebs and in person. That was very uh, uh, intensive list. Um, so thank you for that. <laughs> um, also for any uh, of our listeners who might be of the geeky uh, ex- persuasion, if you go to comic cons, you might run into Yoni at a comic con or two. Um, that is true. Uh, mm-hmm. Yoni and I presented at New York Comic Con last year. Um, we were on two panels um, about geek self care, and our flag means death. Um, so uh, I can't wait for the second yes. season. Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh. Be so good. Um, I want to see. I want to see them tackle more mental yes. health, like the mental health of be like of like staying on a ship for yeah. for that long. Like, oh my god, seriously, someone's gonna someone's gonna have an anxiety oh, attack yes. at some point. Uh, so I mean. Much. Blackbeard's just got all sorts of mental health stuff all going on. Well, Steve's so Steve got a lot of stuff. To, I mean, they all do. They yeah, all do, and they all are wonderful people. They all do. Um, but, uh, Yona, will you be at New York Comic Con this year? I, I hope to be at New York Comic Con. I didn't get my tickets just yet. I, I failed I failed to, uh, to, to to procure tickets in time for the first time in like seven or eight years. Yeah. I know, I know. I, I just, I just, I, it, it is a gasp moment. Um, so hopefully I'll be at New York Comic Con this year. Hopefully we'll 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 be we'll, we'll submit a panel or two and uh, and get them accepted. But uh, but New York Comic Con is notorious for not accepting psychology and mental yeah. health panels for whatever reason. <laughs> they just they just don't. Yeah. But uh, if any of our listeners do happen to be in the New York uh, City area, check him out. He's a cool guy. Um, Charlene, where can people find you? 
Uh, you can find me all over the ding dang place. Uh, so, and all you gotta do is type in at nat20therapy uh, and you'll find me. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, I have a blue sky now. Uh, I got onto threads. Yeah, like it's, oh, I gotta do that. it's, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's the wild west again of, of social media. Like, uh, I don't know what's gonna happen. Oh, goodness. Um, what is blue sky? I I've also never heard of blue sky. Yeah. Blue Sky like is the guy who originally made Twitter, but the cool part about Blue Sky is is that it will import other social media threads into your one Blue Sky thread. So like this is not how it works right now, but just as an example, if you had a Twitter and Instagram and a Facebook, you could go to Blue Sky and um if they used a certain platform, you could uh, take all of those things and put them into one thread and see them in one oh. thread. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Uh, so it's like a decentralized. I think that's what's going to happen in the future because that's how they're trying to do computers and all sorts of stuff anyway. So I got <laughs> into it. But, uh, you know, find me on the regular ones too, Facebook, Twitter, you know, um, Instagram. Um, and then my website at www.nat20therapy.com. Um, we just redid it as well. Um, thank you to my administrative assistant. They're amazing. Um, and then, um, you know, all my practice information, I practice in Maryland. Um, I am hoping that the social work compact goes through at some point very soon so that I might be able to practice outside of Maryland, but that is not the case yet. Well, yes. I hope so too. <laughs> I mean, I know there's the SIPAC, but California is not part of that because it's lame. Neither is New uh, York. Which is surprising. Which I feel like New York would totally oh, have it more yeah. concerning the surround like all the surrounding states are. <laughs> like you're surrounded by yeah, sci-fi yeah. states. Well, I'm not like there's there's legisla there's legislation that's been passed, but it hasn't been there's legislation that's been submitted, but it hasn't it been hasn't even yet. been submitted yeah. in California yet. So we're just nah. oh, that's a whole yeah, nother that's podcast. A whole nother podcast. But yeah. anyways, um <laughs> All of our listeners can uh, follow this podcast, Mental Health Quest, on Facebook and Twitter at MHQ Podcast. Um, and you can email us at uh, mentalhealthquest1 uh, at gmail.com if you have any questions, ideas for future episodes, or just want to ask us how we're doing. Um, or guests. Or if you, if you want to be a guest on an episode, if you are a, a mental health expert in something, please let us know. We'd love meeting other experts. Um, and as for me, uh, I am restarting my other podcast. Um, our listeners might remember I had another podcast in the past called My Hero Therapy, where we talk about the psychology of the My Hero Academia anime. It died after two episodes. I wasn't able to keep it going. But mm -hmm. I'm restarting it now with uh, uh, my good friend Nicole uh, Dr. Nicole Hassler out of Buffalo. Go Bills. Um, I'm obligated to say that now. Um, so you can check out that podcast. We just recorded our pilot episode. It will hopefully be out soon. Um, but there will be, uh, if any of our listeners are going to be at San Diego Comic-Con, I can now announce that I will be on panels. Uh, I will Yay. be on three panels at San Diego Comic-Con 1, My Hero Therapy, Heroes IRL. <laughs> I will be on Our Flag Means Death, Ships on Ships. And I will also be on Multiverse of Marvel uh, panel uh, as well. So please, any listeners who will be at San Diego Comic-Con, come say hi. I love meeting people. 
as long as you're cool. No, you're all cool. Um, so <laughs> please check out those. Uh, My Hero Therapy podcast can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at My Hero Therapy. Um, first episode to be released soon. And I think that is a good place to end it. Yay! That, that's it for us. Yeah, thanks everybody for coming and we will see you next time. Pew, 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 <laughs> finger guns. <laughs> Bye.